Hey landlords, are you ready to level up your rental game and simplify your life? Well, get ready to meet your new best friend, KeyCheck. KeyCheck is your all-in-one solution for stress-free property management with tenant-paid screenings, rent payment processing, online lease creation with eSign, and a suite of incredible landlord tools. You'll wonder how you ever lived without it. No more chasing down checks or sifting through piles of applications. KeyCheck helps you organize and manage all things landlording in a simple and efficient way. So if you're tired of the rental chaos and crave seamless, efficient management, head over to KeyCheck.com and sign up today. Make landlord life a breeze with KeyCheck, the game changer for modern property owners. Welcome to Landlord Diaries, where we talk about midterm rentals and the opportunities behind them. We'll share landlord stories, talk about maximizing investment potential, and discuss how to live the very best landlord life. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Furnished Finder, the place for everything midterm rentals. Remember to like and subscribe if you enjoy our content. It's your host, Kelly Bailey, and my wonderful marketing director, Katie Lyon. Rawr. How are you, Katie? Rawr. <laughs> I'm so good. How are you? Good. We're going to do this intro a little different because I need you to say goodbye to this background. You're leaving. Leaving out on of here. a jet plane. <laughs> on a jet plane. So for all those fun midterm landlords out there that also have the travel bug and want to rent on Furnished Finder as much as they want to list on Furnished Finder, uh, my husband and I um, have decided we bought these skiing tickets. Uh, so we're going to go spend a few, probably just a month, somewhere in a ski town and record from there so we'll we'll have some fun backgrounds along the way but that is to come y'all also might not know i stand every time i'm not sitting i'm standing so for those of you that are looking to uh get a little more motion in your life and burn off those calories i encourage you try a stand-up desk and i just make shift my own i actually have uh my chair on top of my desk is my is where my laptop uh, sits. <laughs> so if you That's saw my amazing. office, you'd be like, "This is a nightmare," but it works because you can make your own stand-up desk from anywhere. Kelly, but, I'm so impressed that you and your husband just you know say we want to we want to travel, so we're gonna take our personal stuff out of the house, leave it furnished, and you've got it rented so quick, and off you go. That's amazing. I think my husband and I would be similar if we didn't have two kids, the cat, the dog, and the hedgehog. But (laughs) alas, we're settled for a while and we'll be taking seven day trips. Um, But today, today we get to talk to Tammy and Tammy was a light. Um, And Tammy is the picturesque story of real estate newbie all the way up to she's doing syndications and working with private equity and she is managing you know a hundred was she had a hundred doors I mean it's insane like she is unstoppable and anytime she reaches a new challenge instead of getting defeated or down she just figures it out and on to the next so I'm really looking forward to everyone hearing this one and and getting the feedback so please everyone enjoy listening to Tammy Ritchie and also don't forget that this episode and every episode is powered by Furnished Finder you all know us we are the online housing marketplace for 30 day plus 
furnished rentals. So we are the midterm market. Um, anytime you need to find a property or list your property, furnishedfinder.com, and we have no booking fees. So save yourself a little money there. Hi, everybody. Today's episode is set in Ohio with Tammy Ritchie. Tammy is a uh, is the visionary and CEO of Lucid Management. And Tammy went from flipping homes full time with her husband about six years ago to now managing 100 doors and around 20 of those are midterm. 36 of which Tammy owns and 64 under a real estate syndication. Uh, Tammy has a heart for giving back and is working towards funding a philanthropic arm of the company to help those in need. Um, And Tammy, if someone wants to reach out to you because they just love what you have to offer so much and enjoy your episode, how would you like them to connect with you? Yeah, they can reach me at Tammy at Investing with Passion. That's my handle on all social. And then you can always email me, Tammy, T-A-M-M-Y, at investingwithpassion.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. We'll go ahead and jump into the first question. And uh, I know that we had a previous conversation that was so fun that I want to dive into, which is how did you end up in real estate anyways? Yeah, I know. It's kind of a a crazy story because I never really intended to be in real estate. But um, uh, several years ago, we had a house in Phoenix and it was 2008. So you can imagine what happened to that house. It was worth about half of what we needed it to be worth. And my husband lost his job and got relocated to Ohio. So we went from Phoenix to Ohio in 2008 and uh, became unintentional landlords. We, you know, couldn't sell the house, so we rented it out. Um, we'd always loved real estate. Like, going and looking at model homes on the weekend is, like, what we drag our kids to do. And they <laughs> were, you know, that was always a big thing. Um, but we, you know, sold the house in 2015, broke even. That was fine. But then my husband was laid off again. Um, I swear, he's an amazing guy. It's just, you know, companies <laughs> want companies, you know. Last man on, first man off kind of thing. Um, but he he was laid off again. And I said, hey, why don't you kind of like take a pause? Like, why don't you pray this out a little bit? Like, see what it is that you want to do. Like, what is what 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 do you feel passionate about? And so he took a little time. He goes, I think I want to flip a house. And I went, Ooh. okay, let's do it. So we got into fix and flip. And we, we went to the sheriff's auction. And we practiced at sheriff's auction. You know, like you would... Like you would, you know, practice stock trading and see how it did. We would mm-hmm. practice the, we'd write down the addresses and see what happened to them. And uh, decided to finally pull the trigger, pulled some private funds from a few different people to buy the house, flipped it, made a good little chunk and went, we should do that again. And so we just kept doing it and doing it. And we did all the work ourselves, very DIY. Like, you know, he would do plumbing, electrical. We would share framing duties and carpentry duties. I did all the finish work. Like I was always covered in drywall dust, like head to toe, like just always. <laughs> or like, you know, had tile because I did all the tiling. So I would always have tile, like, you know, stuff all over me. <laughs> it was just, you know, really a lot of fun, but a lot of work. And I was like, oh, we are not getting any younger. I can't swing this hammer for the rest of my life. So what's our big fat plan? 
So I decided what we should do is flip until we could get enough money to get some buy and hold. Mm-hmm. So at the end of 2019, I went on kind of like a little buying spree and bought up 10 properties, some single family and duplexes. And again, with private money and a relationship with a local bank, we kind of got those going. And uh, then I went, okay, what do we do next? And I thought, I want to go big, real big, real fast. Let's do that. And so started syndicating deals. And I actually have a 57 unit under contract right now um, that we're closing on at the beginning of December. So we'll be adding another 57 units to our door count, which is kind of fun. Congrats. And that's, that's that. Here we are. Awesome. That's um, amazing. Yeah, really. Uh, that's that's a lot of growth. Um, so you mentioned you acquired 10 properties in three months. So what did those private money, what did, what did it look like working with the bank and the private money lenders on that? And, you know, what was your, uh, what was the rate that you borrowed the money at and how did that work? Yeah, so I had a very awesome, my, my private, my private money lender was our mentor and he was just fantastic. He owned 20 condos at the time and uh, my husband, you know, did maintenance for him on the side for his condos. And so he mentored us up through this and he said, listen, I want to take out all the other little private money people you have. You know, we'd gather up 10,000 from this person, 20 from this, you know, not everybody has a hundred thousand dollars to lend you. Right. So we, we gave everybody an opportunity to share in that we were paying them all 10% at the time. And he said, how about I come in and be your investor? And I'll, I'll, if you just keep the money out, just here's, you know, I think at the time it was $200,000. He said, you keep $200,000 out, pay me 6%. I'll give an intro to this community bank that I've worked with before and we'll get them to do a portfolio loan. So you can, he said, Mm. you can't replace your fix and flip income on one rental. You need several rentals. So Mm -hmm. I said, okay, scary, but let's do it. So we went to the private bank. They gave us three portfolio loans. And so they took all the properties and put them together and gave us three loans. I think at the time, this was at end of 19. I want to say our rate was somewhere in the fours. I don't have that loan anymore, so I don't remember quite. Mm -hmm. Um, And then his money sort of stayed off the books. It was already seasoned in our account. So, uh, you know, they, what they don't know doesn't, doesn't need to be explained. This is is going public. I know they didn't ask. So we didn't have to tell. They said, (laughs) where's the funds coming from? I said, my bank account. They looked in the bank account over the last six months and saw the money was in there. Okay. Great. Done. Done, right? No no harm, no foul, you know. Um, and so that's how that relationship worked. And having that intro and the personal connections, you know, his using, leveraging his personal connections and his funds are really what got us going. Um, and then the intention was always to get the money back out, you know, get the, get the money back out of that and um, be able to either scale or give him his funds back. And so in 21, yeah, in, in middle of 21, we bird all these properties. So if you're not familiar with bird, I actually have, look at this book right here is, is the Burr book, this white one right here. Ah! Is, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> literally the Burr book, buy, rehab, rent, wait, now I'm messing up. Buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. Um, mm-hmm. so we bought the houses, we rehabbed them slightly, we rented them out 
so that we had a good rent roll and everything was up at market value. And then we refinanced the properties and then we repeated and bought some more mm-hmm. so that we could pull. And the point of, I'm going to, I want you to focus, tell ever tell our, all of our listeners about the refinance part, because I know in the Burr, that's a very, very important part. And that's yeah. where you get to take your value and yes. roll it. So yes. I'd love to hear you like explain that a little bit more just for anyone who's not familiar with that whole strategy. Yeah, absolutely. The thing is that when you refinance, really the goal is to have very little of your own money left in that property. So we had our investors money in the property that we wanted to get out. And we had some, um, some rehab costs that we had fronted. To, to get the, the house or the duplex or whatever it was up to our standards and get it at that high market value. So we tried to, now I do this much better than I did it that first round. That first round, I bought what I thought could cash flow. And, you know, my underwriting was much different than it is today. Today, you know, you want to buy it 70% of your after market, after repair value so that when you rehab it out, you've got that money to take back out because that's the goal. When you refinance right. it, you're trying to leave as little of your own money in the deal as possible. Okay. So we were able to do that. We refinanced when the rates were good. Um, I think most of our rates are in the like mid threes, high, high threes, mid to high threes. We have a couple that are in low fours, but um, reducing the rate and having a longer amortization schedule because originally we had 20-year loans, 20-year ammo schedules with that community bank. We extended it to 30 years and then had a lower interest rate. And with the value we had created in the properties, it allowed us to take the money back out and leave very little money, if anything at all. And in fact, two of the properties, because we had bought them so low at Sheriff's Auction, and did the rehab ourselves, we actually got paid at the closing table at the refi. So nice. we not only paid everybody back, but we we got a nice little chunk of extra money on top of it. So Very cool. Yeah. And uh, in 2021 is also when you changed your strategy, I think, a little bit and went from 10 to 100 doors, right? Yeah, yeah. So we went from 10 to 100. So I decided in September, I went to a mastermind. And I I just, you know, it's a game changer. Surrounding yourself with people who are like-minded, who have that like bigger thought process, that higher level thinking that push you um, is just really finding your tribe is a game changer, right? So I attended a mastermind in September, noodled on that a little bit and went, yeah, I need to go bigger. I learned the word syndication at that mastermind. Ah, I should do that. I, I sh- that's what I need to do. I need to go from two units to, you know, like at a time duplexes to something bigger because that's just, that seems like a, a fun next challenge. And <laughs> so, so I did. So between January and May, the end of May, so we'll say it's six months of 2020, I went from 10 units to a hundred. So yeah. Great. It was amazing. It was. And why it, is that part of your goal? I think uh, in a previous conversation, you said your lean FI has a lot to do with it, uh, really, potentially. Yeah. yeah. So part of my thing was, you know, I've got I've got several goals. My big, big goal, my big, hairy, audacious goal is to create a philanthropic arm of our company. So we can talk about how syndication plays a part in that. 
my my goal right under that was retiring my husband. You know, he had worked a lot of years at a lot of jobs he hated and and given everything he, you know, needed to and could and laid it out all out for the whole family. And I wanted to like go, hey, oh no, see that's gonna make me cry. I get over, I'm sorry. I get like so. I, I get very um, emotional when I think about all that. But I wanted to give him the gift of early, early retirement. And so, part of that, the reason for that is, you know, we wanted to travel when we're young and do things when we're young. And so, um, I decided I can't just retire him. I need to be retired too, which means we need to hit our lean FI. And a lean FI is our passive income covers our budget, our lifestyle. Okay. Right? So it's our four walls. So our mortgage, our, you know, utility payments, whatever. Um, plus what we spend on the kids at Christmas, you know, mm-hmm. if we take a trip every year, the cost to go to my mastermind every year, like what are all of those costs? We added them all up and I said, I need to cover all of these expenses with passive income so that both of us are really technically retired. If I did nothing else the rest of my life, we'd be just fine. But that's not mm-hmm. in my nature, you know. <laughs> so I said I'd like to this to happen sooner rather than later. It was kind of like when our mentor gave us that advice that said you can't replace your income with one rental. You know, you can't just give up flipping with one. You're going to need to like kind of go a little bit bigger, a little faster if you want to like rip the bandaid off. And so I said, okay, I'm going to rip this bandaid off too. But this was like a big fat bandage across our whole body, right? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> right. This wasn't like, oh, I got a scrape on my knee. So, um, so we, I, I made that goal. I set that goal. I figured out what our lean FI was. Um, and I know we talked a little bit before about like a fat FI. You know, like what's the next step? I think my next step is like that fat FI, like. If everything went wrong, I'm good. You know, I can mm-hmm. travel extensively and fly first class. It's not just like a camping trip or like one weekend getaway, right? I can right. go to Europe for a month and, and my businesses would continue to run and everything would be fine. That's my fat FI. That's what I'm working towards right now. Sounds um, fabulous. Right? I know. But what was super fabulous was hitting that lean FI, having freedom financial freedom, that's the FI. So our lean financial freedom number was that number we needed to basically be retired. And so we retired at 45 Mm -hmm. years old. That is so impressive. Great job. Thanks. Thanks. I'd like to hear more about your mentor and these masterminds and where you, Uh where you found um, people who you could lean on, like you said, who who are like-minded and your mentor who I'm assuming taught you a lot of things that took you to where you are right now. Um, because I know a, a lot of our landlords are would probably dream about having relationships like that, but it's kind of, especially in today's day and age where a lot of us are at home, working from home, it's like, well, where do I go? All I have is my dog here. <laughs> <laughs> And while your dog is great for therapy, not so much for yes. mentoring the advice. <laughs> right. Probably. Not, you know, for our our mentor that we um, started with, that's still our mentor to this day, um, but in a different capacity, maybe. Um, he was somebody that we met. Uh, do, we, so we did financial coaching. We did 
um, Financial Peace University, if you're familiar with the Dave Ramsey world of things. Um, we used to be like coaches and we would teach that. And he happened to co-teach one of those with us one time. That's how we met him. Huh? And so, um, you know, putting yourself out there in service opportunities opens you up to a world of, of people that you probably wouldn't meet otherwise. And so yeah. while we were there to serve others, we were served and he, you know, came into our lives. And what happened was we kind of started to get to the point where he couldn't mentor us past the level he had gotten to. Right. And so, um, I started seeking other mentorship, mentorships, mm -hmm. uh, places I could go to find people that thought like I did and, you know, could help me go bigger. And he encouraged us in that, you know, he's like, I want the best for you. I want you to go past what I ever thought was mm -hmm. possible. And so I started listening to Bigger Pockets, which is a podcast. Back when Brandon Turner was the, um, the host of the Bigger Pockets podcast. Yeah, we love Bigger Pockets. <laughs> Stay with us. We'll be right back. Today's episode is proudly sponsored by Furnished Finder, the ultimate platform for hassle-free midterm rentals. Whether you're a seasoned landlord or just getting started, Furnished Finder is the place for you. With Furnished Finder, you can say goodbye to booking fees and hello to direct bookings for 30 day plus days. It's a win-win for everyone involved. So if you're ready to experience the joys of midterm renting and take a load off your landlord shoulders, head over to FurnishedFinder.com today. We make it easy to get started. We're grateful to Furnished Finder for sponsoring this episode and we're sure you'll love what they have in store for you. Oh my gosh, Bigger Pockets is the best. So mm -hmm. they started, uh, Brandon started talking about how he was going to do the Maui Mastermind. And mm -hmm. so he, the first year he did it, um, the first group, I was like, oh, I don't qualify. I can't do this. You know, total imposter syndrome. And so I didn't apply. And then the second one came up. And I was like, oh, I, st I don't know. I, d I just don't think I can. I barely met the requirements. You know, it, it's, it was pretty stringent. Like they're little, they're little like, hey, you have to have all these things. I was like, I barely have right. that. But my husband, I can remember sitting in bed one night. I've got the application on my phone. I filled it all up. I'm like, I just can't. I don't think I can do this. I don't think I qualify. So why am I wasting my time? And he goes, would you just push the submit button already? <laughs> <laughs> but if I push this button, you have to know everything's going to change. Like nothing in life will be the same if I go to this. He's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Push the button. So I pushed the button. A couple of days later, I got the you're in email and went and I, I hadn't. I mean, I literally would go down and do all the masterminding all day long and go back up to my hotel room and cry. Like oh. it was this like really intense, like mm -hmm. part of it was this, oh my gosh, that was so stressful. They just like tore everything down and now they're building me back up, but the teardown was hard. And also this like, <laughs> I found my people. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> game changer. Like I thought I was the only one out there in the world that thought this crazy way, you know, everybody looks at me like you're nuts. When I talk to people at dinner parties, they're like, you're a little crazy. And I'm like, what? I think it's normal in this, in this like mastermind. I was normal. I was just like everybody else. And it was so freeing. And I felt such relief that I wasn't psycho. You know? Uh-huh. I think I think anyone who owns any type of 
real estate outside of their primary residence has had people look at them. I mean, I know my husband and I, when we were moving out of our last house and we told people, we said, we're going to keep it and rent it out. They looked at us like, I'm sorry, you're going to, you're going to do what? Uh And we're like, yeah, we're going to keep it. And they're like, well, what about this, 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 and this? And we're like, yeah, we're aware. But yeah, it's you, you, you get the looks and it is, it's nice to be surrounded with people who are like-minded. I agree. It's, Mm -hmm. It's so settling, you know, you finally, you feel, you talk to people who speak your own language. It's like, it's like when you have toddlers, you know, and, and you don't, you don't have any like adult speak all day. And then you uh-huh. just want somebody to come home and talk to you and you, you'll, you'll stay on the phone with the customer service representative way too long. And it gets a little awkward mm-hmm. because you're like, but, but I just need just, to hear it. Just like an adult. I need real words. <laughs> it's not like that, you know, like, yeah. you know, I'm not saying everybody I live with is toddlers and they can't understand what I'm talking about, but it's just, it's like speaking your native tongue to somebody, mm, right? you know, it just right. feels so good. And surrounding myself with them has helped me realize that all those th- crazy thoughts I had in my head were just my passion coming out and they helped me realize how to get to that level. That's great. And it, I'm sure it's nice too uh, in these masterminds and when you're surrounded by other like-minded uh, investors, you can freely talk about real estate as long as you want and not feel guilty. <laughs> like with yes. friends and family, maybe it's like, okay, we're going to give you an hour and then uh-huh. let's move on to a new topic, you know? So that's... I will tell you, we were at our... So, so we meet every year. We uh-huh. just there in September. And so we went on this kayak adventure, right? We go kayak and then you snorkel, you get out of your kayak and you snorkel with the, and you see the turtles and sharks and whatever. Lovely. So we go with the guide and, you know, you get to the place where you're going to go and we, we line up all of our boats and we, we tie them all together. And some people go off and snorkel, the spouses went off and snorkel, and then we're all still sitting in the kayaks. A few of us <laughs> got, got out so that we could like all face each other in the kayaks or just floating in the water. And the guide is all, there's a shark over there. We're like, yeah, we're good. He's all... <laughs> What, are you guys going to snorkel? We're like, we're good. We're just talking real estate. So, okay. So uh-huh. tell me now, how did you do that deal? Now, what were your terms? And what were you doing over here? Like what's your value add? Like for hours. And we had spent a day talking about it. That's really cool. You know, the other thing that's interesting is when you're saying this, it's, <clears throat> I'm, always, I'm reminded about like how many different ways that real estate investing can work for someone, right? Uh-huh. There's so many different approaches and there's so many different tactics and strategies that it is it's amazing when you get in front of people and you even Kelly and I on this podcast we're like oh man well this person did it this way this person did it this way it's like there really is no wrong way mm-hmm. and if you think that you're out of options talk to more people mm-hmm. um the other thing thought that you triggered for me um is is and I have a very good sense that this is something that you have done with mentors um, that you have worked with just based on talking with you is anyone who's working with a mentor, offer them something back, right? Offer, say, what can I do for you? How can I help you? Right. And then it's a two way street and the relationship is so incredibly valuable. And then, like you said, your mentors can roll from one to another as you grow and, uh, you're not a burden, but you're an asset to your mentor as well, which yeah. I mean, I just I can tell just by talking with you that that's something that you have been able to do. Absolutely. I'm always looking first to provide value. 
you know, like yes. I'm not going and seeking a mentor going, Hey, will you mentor me? What, you know, what have you done and what can you give me? It is right. like, Hey, how can I serve you and, you know, help you along in your journey? And if I learn something along the way, aces, right. You know, like, uh-huh. right. That's yeah. the approach for sure. For sure. People, yep. first, right. People first always. Yes. Okay, I'm going to circle us back. Um, I'm excited to talk about the syndication part because uh, that's something we haven't uh, really jumped into on our show yet. And I think there's a lot of like ooh and awe about syndication. Like, ooh, I want to get to the top of that mountain. It's so beautiful up there and so successful. But how do I get there? So what did that look like for you and the timing of everything to, you know, put the contract together and, you know, find the right property, what, uh, and then what set up those terms without ever having done one. So what's the order of everything that you should do in a syndication? Like, do you find the property first or do you do the, find the partners first? So what, how does it work? So there's the way I do it now and there's the way I first did it. Okay. <laughs> okay so the first one I ever did, I did everything myself. And so I went out and found the, the property. I contacted the broker. I Googled, how do you write an LOI? And which is a letter of intent. And that's what you give first in commercial real estate. So anything that's five units and above is commercial real estate, just to clarify. Um, and then you, you need a PSA. And so I had to Google, what's a PSA? Cause he said, well, will you be sending a PSA? Oh yeah, I'll send you one of those. Google. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah, sure, PSA, whatever, you know, purchase sales agreement, right? So, um, and then I was like, okay, I probably should get a, a an SEC lawyer because I did know from learning the word at the mastermind that you need an SEC lawyer. So it's literally a, a securities exchange commission, you know, you are selling securities. So you need to have, um, you need to report it to the SEC and have a lawyer that will facilitate that for you. So I contacted somebody that um, I met at the mastermind who happens to be an SEC lawyer. His name is Maurizio. He's amazing. Premier Law Group. Shout out to them. Um, Love him and his entire team. They really, I mean, Maurizio has a teacher's heart. He's one of those guys. So smart. I can't, you know, you're not even in the same stratosphere as this guy. Nobody is, right? But he totally will take all these crazy concepts crazy terms, everything, and break them down. And you'd never feel like you're being talked down to. He's just, you know, like- I love that style. Right? Oh, mm-hmm. it's just so good. He's mm-hmm. he's a master at breaking down complicated things and making them seem like everyday speak. So I got I got with his, um, his law firm and um, retained them and said, okay, well, now what do I do? And they go, well, do you have a PSA? I said, no, I don't, because now I knew what one was. And so they- but I have Googled that, sir. Yes, I Googled <laughs> that. We're good. Um, so they drafted the PSA, and we sent it over to um, to the broker. And it kind of went from there. I'll kind of you know detail that out in a second. But going back, here's how I do it now. I have formed kind of like I'm, I, I'm forming my super team. So in a syndication- you have two sides. You've got the GP, the general partners, and you've got the LPs, the limited partners. LPs are the people that bring the money. They are your investors. They technically own everything, right? So, I mean, their percentage, but um, but they are the ones that bring the money and they uh, 
they give you the money for the down payment, closing costs, construction costs if you want to do that, if you don't have a, a construction piece to your loan, um, and any you know CapEx projects, any of that kind of stuff that you need to do. But they're silent, basically, right? I mean, they, they bring the money and then they get returns and that's that. The GP side, the general partnership, is the one running the deal. So in there, you've got your acquisitions person, somebody doing due diligence, um, somebody doing the capital raise, somebody doing the asset management, um, all, all of, you know, there's all these pieces. I was wearing every single one of those hats on that first deal. It's a lot. It was exhausting. I didn't even know how to talk to a bank. I didn't even know what, when my KP, I didn't know what a KP, oh, there's the key principle, KP. The person mm -hmm. who you are basically borrowing their balance sheet that says, you know, because I don't have the credit to go buy a $5 million building. You know, I don't have the income to go buy a $5 million building. I right. needed somebody who had liquidity and somebody who could loan me their balance sheet, basically. And that's Is that how much it was? Your uh, apartment complex? Was it $5 million? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the capital raise was about one and a half. Um, we did not have a construction piece because we were doing this agency debt and they didn't offer that in this uh, loan program. So we were raising the capital expenditures, the CapEx, um, along with the down payment and, and all of that. So um, somebody brings the earnest money also. So KP, EMD are both the same person in my deals. Um, but, you know, when he said, I want agency debt, Google to the rescue, right? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do agency debt, you know, and I looked it up and um, figured out what that was and what it entailed and what that meant. And basically, you're getting a more direct line to federal funds, right? So you're, you're not like, it's not like the feds are selling it to a bank who's selling it to you. It's kind of like they're the broker for this federal money. So okay. they give you better terms better. Um, so like we got a 30 year amortization schedule a year um, interest only. What were the other terms? Um, really good terms. I think 3.6 is where we closed at. That was in March of this year. I think that's all correct. Um, and I forget what the fourth one is now, but I'll come up with it. The agency debt <laughs> is usually a lot better terms, you know, but it's a lot of hoops to jump through, much more than traditional funding, um, which is fine. But anyway, I, I wore all those hats and now I'm looking to build a super team of GP people, somebody else who can do the due diligence, somebody mm -hmm. else who can work with the bank. You know, I go find the deal and I put it all together, you know, but somebody who can do that other. I opened um, an asset management company because I couldn't find a good asset manager. You okay. know, so I started a property management company because I couldn't find a good property manager. I'm, you know. This is how we do, right? Us entrepreneurs. Everything you're saying to me, I, I come from a, a history in private commercial real estate investing. Uh, yeah. And it's, yep, 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 yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's true. So, it's, you know, you as you grow, you start specializing and, and getting those people to fill those slots. It's so much easier. It's, I mean, it's, Oh my gosh. I, it, the experience since then in my syndications has been night and day and I'm, you know, able to get rest and do other things in life instead of just eating, sleeping, breathing this one project. And also, you know, I'm turning it over to people who this, whatever part they're taking over feels very light to them. Right. 
and and the That's person I'm feel really light. And so, you know, everybody stays in their lane and they can focus on it and they're gonna be 10 times better at it than I ever was, or I could ever hope to be. You can't be the best at everything. Mm -hmm. So I'm really good at going and putting the deals together and I'm really good at doing the asset management. So I'd love for somebody else to just fill in all the rest, right? Nice. So you build your GP team. That's what I would do if I was giving advice. I would okay. build out this GP team. Then I would start, whoever's in charge of finding the deals, start finding brokers to, to you know leverage those relationships. Because what happened was that first one that I bought, again, I called the broker and you know got the deal done. He called me a month later and went, hey, are you ready for another one? I've got this other one, it's off market. He, you know, this is the deal, blah, blah, blah. So I went after that one. And then um, the guy who didn't get to fund it came to me and said, hey, I know I couldn't do the funding on this one. I totally get why you needed the points and agency debt, I couldn't match it. But I've got this one coming down the line. This guy's ready to refi and we'd love to keep the business. Do you want to take it on? You know, so these relationships are hugely important in this space. Commercial real estate still kind of functions a lot like, you know, old school business used to run. It's a very mm -hmm. tight group. It's usually, you know, you usually start seeing the same people over and over and over again. And so keeping those relationships, and I just felt like it was really important for me to take the, the reputation I had built in fix and flip and in my small buy and hold, which was I close when I say I'm gonna close, I don't retrade a whole bunch. That's that's not my MO. I'm going to underwrite so that I know the deal will work. Um, I'm easy to work with and I'm super responsive. So I wanted to carry that over into larger commercial real estate and it, it, it has worked really well for me. And so I you keep those relationships. You don't want to burn those bridges because like I said, it's a very small community. Mm -hmm. Okay, Absolutely. great. So we've uh, covered the how to set up or how to... Um set up the contract and find the properties. So how did you find the limited partners to go into business with you? Same so there's network? two types. Yeah, there's two types of syndications. One is a 506B and one is a 506C. The 506B is, I call it the buddy round, just so I can remember, you know. But these, you have to have a substantive relationship with the people prior to signing the PSA. So these okay. are people that you know. It's a friends and family round is kind of another way to think of it. Right. But that's not alliteration, right? So we need this to be a buddy round. Um, and then, but you're not allowed to advertise and you are limited mm. to um, the number of LPs you're allowed to have. So there's a, there's a few restrictions here. You can do a C round, which means that you can go wide, like I call it the community round, right? You can go out into the community. You can put it on social media. Like on the B round, I cannot even talk about what I'm doing on social media. If I post like, oh, hey, we're walking through, I have violated SEC laws and I will go to jail. Okay, I'm not going to go to jail. But, you know, like it, it's pretty serious. They can, they can shut you down and do all kinds of crazy things. But on the C round, you can go out and advertise and you can have unlimited number of LPs, but they all have to be accredited, which means that they either have a net worth of a million dollars, not including their primary residence, or they have an income of 200,000 for single 200. and 300 for, for married. And they, yeah. for the last three years, and there is you know proof that that will continue. 
So over here, they And there's like forms they have to fill out to have that. You it's a very to, formal process. Yes, you have to certify that they are actually accredited. They can't go, oh, that's me. No, no, no. You have to right. prove that. So on a B round, they don't have to be accredited. On a C round, they do. On a B round, you cannot advertise or even talk about it outside of your your circles, you know, face-to-face kind of stuff. Wow. B round, you can't. I feel like so, it's jury duty or something. Yeah, yeah. It's a... You have to really make a, a, you know, a strategic plan which way you want to go. But there's a secret option three, which is if you got all of your B round people in and all their funds have actually entered the account, you can actually switch to a C round. As long as you tell your B round, you know, you have to disclose everything and, and all the terms have to be the same. But you can close your B round and convert it to a C round as long as all your B round people are already in. So there are, there's a lot. So how did you find those C round people? Because like you said, those people are ones that you do not previously know. You do not have a relationship. Right. So I use my B round people. Hey, do you guys know anybody, you know, that would be interested in it? And just kind of like let the ripple effect happen. Mm -hmm. And I would talk about it any place I went, any real estate meetups I was at, anybody I ever I mean, like I will tell people at the grocery store, first of all, it's just practicing my elevator pitch, right? But, you know, you find those C-round people just by being in circles with other real estate people or high wage earners, high high wage, Mm -hmm. you know, and high net worth W-2 people. Talked about it in my Bible studies. I talked about it in my everything. Just because I'm passionate about it, it just kind of flows out of me all the time anyway, you know? It's something I'm super excited about. So it naturally comes up in conversation at every conversation. That's great. I, um, I think it. the last question for me about syndications is, you know, there's a lot of places to invest your money. So why would someone choose to be a limited partner in a syndication versus uh, choosing to invest their money elsewhere or just use that money to buy their own property? Yeah, it is completely passive. So, you know, for people looking for completely passive income, it is a fantastic vehicle for investment. And, um, you know, it's secured by something. There's a tangible asset there, right? Mm -hmm. So that provides a level of security there. Um, How do do limited partners get paid out in your syndication? Yeah, so typically we do um, what's called a PREF, which is a preferred return. So it's usually eight, eight and a half percent of a preferred return that is paid quarterly to them. And then they also share on the upside. So in our deals, and all of them are, are done differently, but in our deals, typically the LPs own 70% of the deal and the GPs own 30%. So when we sell the property, say we sell the property and we make a profit of a million dollars, that million dollars gets split. So $700,000 flows down into the LPs. That's their upside. So they're getting eight and a half percent no matter what, but then they also get to share on the upside. So their IRR, their internal rate of return, winds up being somewhere around 20, 22%. And so that's just a great, you know, that's a great investment. If you can put your money somewhere and, you know, over the course of three to five years have had an internal rate of return of 22%. That's a, that's a pretty good return on your funds. And you've done nothing but write a check. 
you know. I might have somebody I'm sending your way that could be a limited partner in the future. Yeah, I'd love to talk to him. Send him my way. So Kelly, I, th- I think we can transition into landlord logistics Great. now. Um, and the first question I think that uh, we can go into is tell us about your team. Tell us about who is on your team to make sure these properties run well um, day in and day out. Yeah, so I have... Um, a woman named April, who is my number two. I just can't even give her a title because, I mean, she's basically, she does everything. She's incredible. She She's my integrator. She's my property manager. She's my, you know, hey, my, you know, I'm looking at dogs. Do you think this one's cute? She's my everything, right? <laughs> um, she started as my executive assistant and has moved up in, in the ranks just because she's so stellar. So she kind of sits right underneath me. And then underneath her, I hired um, an assistant property manager, Danelle, who is um, on site at our property several days a week. And she does a lot of the tenant communication and all of that. Um, we use Buildium to run our properties. And so um, the, they both work in Buildium very heavily. Each of our, I group everything in 50 units for um, maintenance people. So, I've got um, Robert, who is our um, on-site maintenance manager at one of our properties. And then I've got Scott, who does like all of our single family, 12 unit, you know, all, all, all those other ones. And then there'll be uh, Kurt at, you know, another, you know, so it's like every, every 50 units gets a, gets a guy, you know, who's going to be the on-site yeah. um, like maintenance guy. And, uh, and then I have, um, I have Olivia, who is our bookkeeper and accountant, who does all the expense side. And then I have uh, another person who works part time, um, but nobody knows he works for me, so I'm not going to say his name. Um, and he <laughs> does our income side, so that I've kind of got two people working on the the books with me, so that there's like two sets of eyes there. I just think it's always important to have two people on on the finance piece yeah. or accountability. Um, and then if, if that was eight people, that's all the people I have. I, I have your uh, customer service role. Oh, customer service is, is, oh, so Wendy, so Wendy, we, uh, we just brought on and she is bilingual and, and is, is a linguist actually by trade. And we needed to kind of fill that, that hole in our customer service piece. Because on our asset management side, one of the properties that we um, that we work with has a, a large Spanish speaking, native Spanish speaking population. And I didn't feel like they were being served well. And we needed some more um, customer service and admin help. And so Wendy filled that slot perfectly for us. Awesome. And did we cover quality control? Oh, gosh, yes. This is so good. So... <laughs> I feel so bad now because I talked about Sharon's husband, Scott, and then didn't even talk about Sharon. (laughs) For my midterm rentals, this was a piece that I layered on um, that I thought was really important to have consistency in my midterm rentals because I do have 20 of them in my portfolio. We just set three up this week. So, you know, we're we're growing that piece. Um, But I put somebody in place, um, Sharon, who is, I call her my QC, my MTR QC person. And what her role is, is to coordinate with the cleaners, make sure that everything is good there. She will go QC their clean, but also 
I want my clean, I want everybody to be in their lane and be able to specialize in what they do. Cleaners go in and make it clean and sanitized and everything's good, right? I don't want them to worry about resetting the MTR. You know, in STR, people come in for the weekend, they might put a plant on a different table, no big deal. MTR people come in, they're living there for 13 weeks, right? And so you find all of your knickknacks in the shelf in the second bedroom because their cat wanted to play with it all. I don't Very know. Very true. <laughs> it's so true. So Sharon's job is to go in and make sure that all of that is back. And so whenever, when somebody walks in the first time, it looks exactly like it did in the picture and it's mm-hmm. totally reset. And the pizza cutter is not missing out of the drawer. I learned that one the hard way uh, through many, many trial and errors. And I'm, I mean, I think you can always still improve on your process. Uh, but originally, I didn't have any inventory sheet. Uh, and I just kind of, if something was lost, it's okay. It's just like, it's just stuff. Yeah. It doesn't go with you to heaven. It's just stuff. Right. Um, right. And then uh, more recently, uh, I started doing different styles. I like the idea of taking the pictures of everything. But then, uh, you know, if something goes missing and you don't have that same eye, or like, let's say a bedspread gets ruined or something like that, well, then your picture doesn't match anymore and you got to take that time to go print off a new picture and bring it back before the next guest move in. And so that didn't seem very hands-off either. So um, then I, uh, this last round, and I'm excited to see how it plays out, I started doing uh, labeling the shelves, uh, mainly the kitchen to kind of show, hey, here's what all is in the home and here's where it goes. So that when they check out, if they didn't like the spot where I had it, they're like, oh yeah, it was here because I have the label. And then all mm-hmm. of like the the ice cream scoop, the the wine key, everything, you know, is labeled so that they know where it goes. And then uh, same thing with like the linen closet where they know how many sets of each round of sheets and really so I know <laughs> as well because I always forget how many I have at each and it changes and so I labeled those like stain free bleach free to kind of have just that accountability of hey if if something gets stained or bleached maybe they replace it or we you know we can potentially just take it out of their um, deposit if we need to but uh, yeah that one that that one quality control is so important so important yeah and we use smart sheets and so she uses a smart sheet and we have you know first second third choices and there's the hyperlinks in there to all the all the items so that if she does have to go replace those sheets and, and she's like oh that one's not on the shelf anymore she's got backups you know nice mm-hmm. where do you all yeah. store your backups um we at the pineapple which is a warehouse um we have an extra um i used to have a staging company and it was house to home staging. And I had the pineapple like in my logo because that's the international um, sign for hospitality. And so, uh, so anyway, we started storing stuff at this extra building I have at one of our properties and it became known as the pineapple for unknown reasons. I, I don't even know how. I think because my husband's Well, yeah, but I think it's more like my husband's name is Bob and, and square, um, SpongeBob SquarePants lives in a pineapple. <laughs> a lot of things all together. And so we store all of our extras there and it's because it's centrally located so that, you know, QC can go and pull what they need and go take it to the units. Cool. So why don't you take a second, share some tips um, with anyone listening that's looking to maybe grow a team or like add their 
maybe their first person to help them out or maybe their eighth person to help them out. How do you, how have you found that looking for people works best and pay structure and um, give us kind of your, your take on all that? Yeah, I think that you should hire for, um, how do I say it, personality? I think you should hire for who the person is, not what they can do. Um, I can mm-hmm. teach anybody how to QC. I can teach anybody how to run a spreadsheet or balance, you know, QuickBooks, whatever. But I can't teach them integrity or passion. I can't teach them, you know, that that like indescribable thing that people, some people have, mm-hmm. where you just know that they're like they're like a doer, you know, or depending on what the what the role is that you're trying to fill. But they just have that that thing where everybody that talks to them loves them, you know, and the way they do one thing is the way they do everything. I, I would hire people based on that more than I would hire based on a skill set. Now, if you're going to hire an accountant, probably good that they have a bookkeeping or accounting background. I will give you that, you know. But like for some of these other like more admin roles or QC roles or whatever, I really would focus on that first. We've used Indeed with great success um, when we were hiring, and I put people through a gauntlet. And um, and so, you know, I'm not going to say what my gauntlet is, but, you know, create things in your hiring process that automate it. I do know, I was just speaking to somebody um, else about this, and he said he was hiring technical people. Um, he worked for like a data analytics company or something, and he was hiring technical people as a very detail-oriented position. So he would put somewhere in that um, in the application process that respond to this email and put the word, you know, pineapple or what a, a funky word in the subject line. So he could sort out of his email any that had the word pineapple in it. He would move forward with them. He didn't even have to look at the other ones. So form some sort of gauntlet that automates the process for you and and ha- helps people self-select out of your, your corporate or your, you know, whatever your structure is first before you, you know, don't, don't look at every single resume you get, right. You don't need to. Um, so that's one thing. So I think you had one other question. You said, pay structure. yeah, pay structure. Thank you. So for the QC thing, we, um, pay per, per one that she does, you know, so there, and I don't know the exact amount. I wish, I wish I did, but I didn't, you know, April, you know, coordinated that for me. Um, I think I gave her a budget of like 450 a month or something. So however that parses out for her, for that pay structure for our maintenance guys, we pay them 50,000 a year. So it's just like written into that underwriting on my syndication. I always write in an admin person and I always write in a maintenance person on those, you know, 50 plus unit ones so that I always get, two staff members paid for by that syndication. Hmm. So, and my admins, you know, we it's like 40 to 50, depending on their skill level. Um, so I always write those, those are always about a hundred grand-ish in each syndication or payroll. So I can go hire people. How does that work That's if you fine. are, you know, for, of course, America, we, we like uh, uh, bonus structures or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, increasing your salary based off how, you know, how you're performing, uh, annual reviews, that kind of stuff. How does that work in for the syndication process? Um, so they're, you know, they're an employee like every, every other. So they get, you know, structured pay raises. And so our, oh, okay. when you're underwriting, you are underwriting that expenses go up a certain amount each year. So we've already accounted for pay raises. 
um, we do lots of bonuses and we do lots of fun ways and things to get bonuses. And we don't always, it's not always money though, you know, just, especially syndications, things are written a certain way and I, I have budgets I have to stick to because I've got, you know, people to report to. My personal portfolio, I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, I'll spend some of this extra profit on, you know, bonuses and things like that. But we'll do, um, we do a 60 day review, a 90 day review, six month and then one year. And then every, every six months after that, we sit down with them. Um, and so there's opportunity there for them to, um, you know, talk to us about other, other seats they'd like to sit in or other challenges they'd like to take on or things that feel very heavy to them. And so we can kind of like work all that out. And then that sometimes will adjust the, the pay structure. Um, but we do, we have a prize wheel. <laughs> we literally have this giant prize wheel that I can That's buy awesome. on the Sharpie marker, like neon Sharpie marker. And like at our Christmas party, we have all kinds of prizes on there. And a lot of it's like PTO and like, you know, a free stay in one of our STRs or, or, or MTRs or whatever. Cause like we have properties in Florida. Who doesn't want to be in Naples, Florida. Right. You know, so like stuff like that. Um, and our team works all over. April's in Tennessee. She's not even in Ohio. Um, you know, like they don't have to be there. Our bookkeepers in Phoenix, you know. So anyway, mm -hmm. so non-monetary, you know, bonuses. And, and we like to reward people. Like if somebody just does a stellar job, I'll be like, you know, here's $200. Take your spouse out. Whether that's one super fancy dinner or breakfast every day for the next week, I don't care. But like do something rad with your spouse because you had to do this thing that took you away from your family for our long. So it's, it's not always about money and we do give equity too. You know, if people are rising up through the ranks and they're just rock stars and they are why we are growing, I absolutely will give them equity in our, in our companies or properties or whatever it works out to be. So tell us a little bit more about um, the nonprofit side, the philanthropic um, arm that you're looking like that, you know, your goal for that, because I think you mentioned it and it'd be, it, yeah. it just sounds so, so great and so ambitious. I'd yeah. love to hear about it. So the whole thing is like, yeah, I want a fat FI, right? I mean, like, I want to build generational wealth is really what I want to do and provide that for my family. That is, that is one thing. But that doesn't mean that I can't build an empire that serves others in, in in a crazy radical way. And so what I realized was, you know, God gifted me with this ability in real estate, so I should use real estate to serve His purposes. And so I I was like, okay, syndicating is like creating money out of thin air, right? So you syndicate, and at some point, you know, you've got a three to five year exit strategy, and so those LPs go away. You can sell the property to do that, or you could refinance it, like burr it, a big fat burr, and get your LPs out. And then you've got a property that is generating hundreds of thousands of dollars a year that just funds into a nonprofit. So that is my goal is to fund with all these syndications because I already hit my lean FI. I'm good. Even my, my fat FI, I'm, I'm pretty close to. I, I live a pretty lean life. Like, you know, it's not, it, it, I don't need much, right? I need experiences and I need people. I don't, I don't need a lot of things. I'm not looking to be Grant Cardone and go get my own plane. <laughs> Unless having a plane serves God's purposes, but I, I, haven't, gotten, I haven't gotten that, you know, <laughs> said to me or anything. But, um, 
but I want to use real estate to do like crazy, crazy, crazy things and never, ever have to say no when somebody comes to us with a need or how they could be boots on the ground. My husband and I, through the years, have been boots on the ground. We've done, a, you know, church plants. We've done, you know, um, we did foster care. We did, you know, like going on mission trips and, and going with youth on mission trips and all, all the things, right? We've been boots on the ground. But we decided that's not our, our highest and best use. Our highest and best use is to fund the people who want to be boots on the ground. And that's going to make me cry too. Uh, you ask me the, all these questions that are making me all <laughs> something I'm super passionate about. Sorry. No, yeah. I love no, that. No, it's good. I mean, it is, it, I think it's just your emotion is a reflection of when you put hard work and you put strategy and you put hours and hours and years of dedication and learning and never giving up and pivoting when you need to pivot that the results really can be life-changing, Yeah. right? And I think it's it's something that you can do on a very, very grand scale or you can do on a little scale and either way it can still have such a big impact. Yeah. And um, I, think, I think it's great to see, honestly, because you are clearly a very, very smart person. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> and strategic and... I think it's clear as day to Kelly and I that like you're very, yeah, very genuine and that, you know, you have earned your place in real Mm -hmm. estate. Like it was not, you have earned it. And to see the type of character in a person like you that Mm -hmm. has worked so hard to give to a certain point and then looks back in the mirror and says, how can I use this to give back? Like, come on, the world needs more of you. So I think, I think that in itself is inspiring and I I can't even imagine what you're gonna do philanthropically. Like it's bound to be monumentous. So Well thanks. I sorry they decided to blow the leaves right outside my window. <laughs> it's okay. I can't even really hear them. <laughs> oh really? Oh that's good. Yeah. I like all guy that's why I kinda look shocked because all of a sudden this guy with an orange vest like <laughs> yeah, no problem. We're we're real people, so we don't yeah, mind extra noises. It's why my my handle. I you know I used to my my social media used to just be a very richy life, and it was just for my family. And like you know, we post our vacation pictures. And when I was transferring into this you know new mindset and wanting to do something big and build this empire that had purpose, mm-hmm. I was like, you know what it is? It's my pa- these are my passion projects. I don't have to do any of this. And everyone says, well, you, you worked really hard to retire just so you could work 10 times harder. And I'm like, this doesn't feel like work. This is right, fun. Right. This is my passion project. Right. That's why I'm right. investing with passion because I'm so, so passionate about what it is I want to create and build. And I don't feel like it's my idea. I'm just the conduit, right? Mm-hmm. And so if I can break other people out and have them take the red pill, you know, like if anybody's a Matrix fan, because I'm <laughs> Um, you know, like bust out of your everyday, do something extraordinary, follow your passion. And, you know, the sky's the limit. You will bring people, you will attract people mm-hmm. to you who want to work with you, who want to build that empire with you, who want to catch that vision. Everybody wants to be a part of something bigger than themselves. 
-hmm. And that is what drives me to grow this empire bigger and bigger and better and serve the people that the empire is meant to serve. I love it so much. Um, I want to circle uh, back to, not circle back, we're moving forward, uh, to what we call Furnish Finder Favorites. And I really only have one question for this section, uh, which is you noted that your um, cash flow significantly increased uh, when you joined Furnish Finder and started your midterm journey. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I can give you a super good example. Great. My very first duplex that I converted to a midterm rental is an up and down duplex in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, which nobody's ever heard of, right? It was near um, the hospital. It was within 20 minutes of a major hospital, and it had two surgical centers near it. And I thought, hmm. I hear a lot about traveling nurses, which I now call traveling medical professionals because I have Me found too. so many other aspects, not just nurses, you know, travel around for medical professional reasons. Anyway, I had it rented the up and down, um, two bed, one bath, each of them, detached garage that they share, laundry in the basement, you know, that's split out, whatever. And they're, they're nothing spectacular, but... They at at the time market rent was seven fifty and they were rented at market rent, but both of the tenants moved out because you know they actually they both bought houses, but anyway um, one got married and bought a house and the other one just bought a house because because of rates right, and I went I should try out this MTR thing, mm -hmm. so of course Furnish Finder came to mind it's the it's it, it's the the place to go for for furnished rentals in my opinion for traveling professionals corporate housing, all that. So I go and I list and I'm like, well, we'll just see what this does. It wasn't even a great listing. I mean, I took the pictures on my phone. I did all the wrong things, right? But 750 each unit, I rented them within two days, um, both to travel nurses on 13 week contracts for $1,800 each. And what so, would you have gotten long-term? 750. Oh, whoops. I You said that, didn't you? <laughs> It's okay because it's like so crazy, right? Seven hundred and fifty to eighteen hundred. Now I do have to pay utilities, right, for mm -hmm. for my nurses, but that's about two hundred, two hundred twenty-five a month. Mm -hmm. So the the delta there is magnificent, and um, which is why now I have twenty, soon to be twenty-three of these. That's amazing. <laughs> now let me ask you this question because I feel like. A lot of our tenants struggle with pricing. How did you come up with the pricing of eighteen hundred? Because for for a long term rental or a traditional rental, there's a lot of sources for market rent that you can look at, right? Yeah. You can look at Zillow. You can look at rent you can look all over for all the places. for midterms. It's a little bit trickier to find comps. How did you decide? Mm -hmm. Okay, we're gonna go with eighteen hundred. So I use what's called the enemy method. And I did not coin that. Are you familiar <laughs> with the short-term shop, Avery Carlson? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So her husband—I forget his name—is it Luke? I'm, I'm not. I'm not remembering what his name is right now. But anyway, he has a YouTube video on the enemy method. It's super, super great. He he does it for STRs, which is different. Mm -hmm. But I watched right. it and went, "Well, why can't I apply that to MTRs?" So I looked on Airbnb for 30 day plus stays and used his method. And then I went, well, that's silly. I could do that on Furnish Finder too, right? Because that, 
that's my competition. That's my enemy, if you will. So I right. looked at, um, I looked at Furnish Finder and um, went and found, you know, people in their calendars and kind of looked through like, okay, who's booked out, you know, that, that sweet spot amount, and, which for me is like 16, 18 weeks, right? And um, whereas on an STR, it's more like six weeks is that sweet spot. Right. And, and what are they charging? Whose units look like mine? Who has, you know, good reviews? Who's got a lot of reviews? You know, that kind of thing. Um, and then modeled it after them. It's the, it's the whole, you know, um, what is it that imitation is the greatest flattery or whatever, you know, right. Yeah, man, you're, you're killing this. I want to, I want what you've got. And so I priced it that way. Yeah. Love it. Awesome. Uh, and just a reminder, uh, www.furnishedfinder.com forward slash stats. If you want to see the pie chart of uh, what is renting in your area, how many entire units, how many rooms are for rent, and what prices those are renting for on average. Uh, that's where you go. Um, and also a, a great time to add in. Let's, guys, let's celebrate this. Like, Furnish Finder Landlords together, we're growing uh, thanks to our to our management team and really focusing on SEO and having us in the right place on a Google search result where it's not just attracting medical professionals, it's attracting all sorts of traveling professionals. And so we have over 120,000 properties on Furnish Finder now. And uh, I think it was uh, around 2 million uh, visits monthly. It's nuts. Yeah. I don't... I the numbers are going up so quickly i cannot keep track of them uh-huh. and by the time this airs you know we record these a few weeks in advance by the time this airs the numbers will be even higher they're insane because life is shifting right and you not only have traveling medical professionals you have digital nomads you have people like you know post pandemic my husband and i both work from home so in theory we could go anywhere Kelly, you're the case in point, right? Kelly's packing up her house and going on a going on an adventure. Like, it's not crazy anymore. So it's it's people are figuring it out, just like you, Tammy. And I think it's 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 definitely something where it's not so much of a pivot that it's hard to try, mm-hmm. right? And just kind of see how it works for your property or your market. Um, uh, yeah, we love we love hearing the success stories. I will say I give that link to to the pie charts mm-hmm. to people. I I'm not I'm not exaggerating. Probably ten times a week. Oh, you should look this. Oh, this is what it's doing in your market. Here, I I, I send that link to. I love having good data, man. It's so oh, good. It's so, <laughs> it's so good. good. I love. I'm like, look how many hits there have been in just this area, you know, and uh, and yeah, the fact that it'll tell you even in your market, like you know, Akron is number two in the state of Ohio for midterm rentals or whatever, valuable information. I absolutely love it. I was looking up a market the other day and there was something like 41,000 searches and three properties. Bye, bye. And I'm like, (laughs) you know, and the other thing is if you want to try out a market, something that we did in an area we weren't familiar or like we weren't sure if it was saturated, you know, because whatever. I, I went to court, you know, a furniture where you can rent furniture, uh-huh. you know, you just arbitrage mm-hmm. it, go uh-huh. and rent your furniture. There's no, I mean, there's basically no commitment at that point. You've uh-huh. got an LTR that you want to try out, 
rent some furniture for three months and see right. how it works. List it on Furniture Finder. There's Great like, idea. it's it's an easy way to try it. You don't have to go spend $4,000 to furnish your unit and then go, oh no, what do I do yeah. with the furniture if I decide this isn't for me? Mm-hmm. Arbitrage. Yep. Test it. Well, ladies, it has been so much fun. I hate to cut us, cut us uh, to the ending point, but we're already over an hour. And so let's go ahead and wrap this up and say thank you so much, Tammy. Uh, so much knowledgeable information. You're, you have this joy about you and this knowledge that's contagious. So I know your episode is going to have so many views and be ready for lots of questions, I'm sure. I will be there to answer it. I love talking about all this stuff. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's been really great. Thank you so much. Don't forget to subscribe. Have a good day. Bye, everybody.